0: Jocelyn and I had, uh, this week, had the opportunity to sit down and uh, chat with Kay and Bob, and, and it was through the Kay Spears who introduced us, and we got to spend, I don't know, I think we were like three hours together, something like that, four hours close to it, and just such a sweet, sweet couple, and, and I could just feel, I could feel the presence of God in the conversation. And even though we were talking about things that didn't necessarily have to do with the spiritual life, you could feel spiritual life inside of it. I think that's the way it's supposed to be when the church comes together. And it's it's just so good. It was so healthy and so fun. And I just, I, I risked it. And I, I asked Kay if she would stay over, because she'd been speaking here this weekend, if she would stay over and speak it to us this morning at church. And she... uh gladly accepted. So we are honored, honored to have you here, Kay, and your husband, Bob. You guys are so wonderful, and I just, I I wish I would have met you earlier. Yeah, he is wonderful, but he's inside you, and I like the way he comes out of you. So guys, would you please just welcome with me Dr. Kay Byer. Praise
1: the Lord. Let's give Jesus a big clap offering.
0: Hallelujah. (laughs)
1: Well, this is my kind of church. I like this kind of church. Oh, this was wonderful, like a breath of fresh air to come in here today. And, you know, God is just full of all kinds of surprises and suddenlies. You know, it was amazing to meet your pastor yesterday. Uh, we just had, uh, was it yesterday? No, it was Thursday. Thursday. Uh, we had the best time together, and we connected instantly. You know, when you're one in the Spirit, you just, like, you've known each other all your life. And I just, and of course, he knew a dear friend of mine, Jason Chen. How many know him? And guess what? I'm going, Wednesday, we're going out to be with him in Reading. And we're so excited about that. And so when he asked, I could not believe when he asked me to day over we're having meetings in Sanford and stay over and come here in the morning I was so excited <laughs> and I just can't thank him enough and his wife it just was wonderful and then to meet a whole bunch of my friends from here in Winter Park it's just like coming home <laughs> you are so blessed to have a church like this so blessed and before I come I'm gonna you're gonna hear from Bob in a little bit but I'm gonna um, t- I have a few books you know I didn't plan on coming here but what I've been up there before so I, I have, still have some of my books left over so I want to share a few of them there isn't that many back there but Miracle Man on Missions is kind of our whole kind of like testimony uh, of what God has done with my other husband my husband died like seven years ago and Bob's wife died about six years ago and then God put us together supernaturally So this is our story, and I want to give that to the pastor. I told you I was going to bring you one. And then I have another book here that I wrote after my husband died, uh, Showers of Blessings. The day he died, I thought it was the end of the world, that I would never be able to go on or do anything again. What am I going to do? And I went home, and I asked the Lord for a rhema word, and I opened right up to Ezekiel where it said there will be showers of blessings. Well, that isn't exactly the kind of word I thought I would get. <laughs> but, oh, my goodness, immediately the blessing started. And God has just, I thought, I can, I'm just totally amazed at what he's done in these last seven years. And so if someone just lost a loved one or someone close to you or gone through something that's really hard, anybody? Anybody? Well, you have this book, don't you? Who? who okay, you in the white shirt back there. Um, this is what God did for me. You know, the more you start giving out to somebody else, the more you get healed. Mm-hmm. And within three weeks after the funeral, I was in California ministering out there with Joshua, and I just kept on going. I never quit. When you have the call of God on your life, you can't stop. It, it just doesn't quit. And so, and then here's, how many have heard of Joshua Mills? Okay. And here's 10 Days of Glory. This is a meeting we had with Joshua. Uh, Harold and I and Joshua and his wife, we traveled the world together, kind of like. And we, 10 times when we've had meetings together, the gold dust and the manna came exactly at the same time. So we gave out the gold dust. We gave, he anointed everybody with... We gave out the man, and he anointed everybody with the gold dust. So this is the last time we were together before Harold went home to be with the Lord. I only have a few of them. And then this is joy unspeakable. Now, you would like that. If you want a little joy, you will just roll laughing at this. I was in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, ministering, and the whole It was a good service, just like here, and they were laughing and shouting and and I got up to speak, and they were still laughing, and so we just kept on and, and on and and then i'm going to s- start speaking, but I couldn't say a word. I could not get anything out and say, and then this is how the Holy Spirit took over the whole meeting, so I only have two of them left, so back there. So you, um, Bob will be back there and take care of that. So praise the Lord. <laughs> Anyhow, I want to start out by reading a scripture in Daniel 4, 2 and 3. Um, it says, I thought it good to show forth the signs and the wonders that the high God has wrought towards me. It says, how great are thy signs and how mighty are thy wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion is from generation to generation. So God is saying, we're going to see some wonderful signs and miracles. And some signs will make you wonder, huh? Yeah. And so I always like to start out by telling a miracle story that the Lord gave me uh, uh, Few years. Well, in fact, it was just a few months before my husband died. But God was so good to do this miracle for me. We was out in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Seems like so much has happened when we've been out in Coeur d'Alene. And uh, there's a man out there. He's just an ordinary man. He just worked at a factory job. See, God's just taking ordinary people like you and me, and He's going to do extraordinary things with you. Someday, maybe he's going to do something to you that's never happened to anybody else. But one day he came home and in his yard he found this big gemstone. You know, it says I will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, heaven's full of gemstones so why can't he just bring down a few to us, you know? When we... No problem. You believe in that, don't you? You know? And so Another day, he came home, and an angel stood there and handed him a purple one. Well, that would kind of freak you out, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so uh, he'd had quite a few of them, and we were out there speaking. So that afternoon, I says, well, the couple was driving us around. I said, let's go out there and see what's going on. And we called them. They said, oh, my goodness, come out right away. There was a pastor from Minneapolis there, and they just saw a flash of light, and a big diamond-colored one just fell. And so we went out there. Now, they'd had all kinds of colors, red and purple and lavender and diamond color, but they'd never had a green stone. Something about green. And and the Lord had prophesied to them, watch for when the green stone falls, because there'll be a shift in the atmosphere for the supernatural. And so uh, we went out there. And you know, It it just was a certain portal. Boy, those are cute shoes. (laughs) I like shoes. (laughs) It was just a certain portal before we walked into their house that these gemstones, like an open heaven, where they were falling. So now we get out of the car and we start looking, and I hadn't taken two steps and the, guess what? The, the green stone fell right in front of me. Wow. 50 carats. You look like deer in front of the headlights, huh? <laughs> I like, you know, when that happens and it falls right in front of you, you don't say, oh, I wonder if that's the devil, <laughs> you know? <laughs> devil don't give you things like that. Now, we went to two gemologists to see if they could tell us what it was, and they both said the same thing. They said that it was flawless. They said in order to be a certain kind of a stone, I don't know anything about gems, that it has to have a characteristic flaw of that stone, whatever that means. But one of them asked me um, where I got it from. And so I told him a precious friend gave it to me. And then they didn't say anything more. (laughs) So, I always like to share that before I start speaking because then uh, you can watch it sparkle. You can see it's alive. It's right from heaven. You know, God is so good. He's so good. There's nothing, you know, and I think the more you start talking about his miracles and thanking him for them, the more that he manifests as his glory you know it said that jesus turned the water into wine he said that was the first miracle he did to manifest forth his glory yeah. and that's his glory is the signs and the wonders and his presence and the miracles and so i just can't thank god enough and i'm just so excited but now i didn't come set in the ring uh, my friend in Hong Kong was a jeweler and she put it in the ring for me. I know some people think it came in the ring and everything, but no. Uh, just the stone felt, but we never changed the shape or anything with the stone. So God is so good. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I am just so happy to be here and with my new husband. Now, we just got married October 4th. <laughs> You know, there's no age in love. (laughs) i got to share this first. Bob had been married 54 years, and I'd been married 50 years and nine months, and our spouses died. And after seven years, it had been seven years since Harold went home, and I was getting tired of being alone. <laughs> and I says, Lord, I, you know, I sure would like somebody. But it's just, you know, who are you going to find? And so many people says, well, just go on ChristianMingle.com or whatever. You know? <laughs> so, No, no, no. But my son-in-law, he says, well, come on, Mom. Let's, let's try it and see what happens. And, and so he went and found one and, and starts putting in everything and all my profile and everything. And it came back No match. <laughs> Want that. I wanted, I wanted, like Isaac and Rebecca. I wanted something uh, that you could trust, you know, uh, someone that I might maybe have known someone or something. And then Joshua told me, Whoever you marry, you got to run it by me, you got to be sure. And I had all these people, you got to make sure that it's the right one and all this, you know. And I thought, But you know, when you just let the Lord do it, Oh, my goodness, you get a really good package. You get a really good. (laughs) And so (laughs) so, it started, it's amazing how God orders your footsteps and directs you, even when you don't even realize it, and so, way before that, our last conference that we had, a lady in May, I can't remember that year, uh, prophesied to me and said, I see you on the east coast of Africa. I didn't know what countries were on the east coast of Africa, but that was in May, and in June I went to San Francisco, and I had some meetings, first meeting, and there come in three ladies, and one had an African dress like on. I went to my next meeting, and there they were again. went to my third meeting, and there they were again, and they were from Kenya, Africa, and then the lady said, well, you have to come over to, to uh, my country and speak. They, she lived in San Francisco, and she arranged a meeting for me out there. And then she said, we're going to go to Kenya. Well, so long story short, two years ago, I went to Kenya for a month. And there was two ladies there that were prophets that they said were really good. Now, you really had to be a good prophet to do... And she come up to me. We were at some kind of a wedding celebration thing. I don't know, that they do before they get married there or something. And she just walked up to me and she says, Oh, you're going to Canada. And it's going to seem like your home up there. And I thought, I don't know anybody in Canada. Why couldn't she said Australia or someplace like that, you know? But I don't, what's Canada, you know? So um, anyway, I didn't pay any, I just let it go. And a year later... I went back again, and I went to her, and I said, um, "I haven't been to Canada yet." Oh, but you're going there," she said, "It's going to be like your home." And so I says, "Okay, well, Bob is from Canada. <laughs> I'll tell you that now." So then, that was a year ago, September. Then I come home, and it was December twenty eighth a year ago. I had a dream. Well, you write your dreams down. (laughs) And in this dream... Now, see, I had met Bob years ago, 12, 13 years ago, when Harold was here. We went up for one of Joshua's conferences to speak, and he said, I know someone in Centralia that he wanted you to come and have a meeting there. So Harold and I, he was a pastor for 25 years, and then he had a church up there. So my husband, Harold, and I went to his church and his wife, and had meetings there. The man of fell, we have a picture of the four of us together. Isn't that something? And so, of course, he didn't think. And then after that, well, then I never was in touch with him or anything. We didn't communicate or nothing. But that's how I knew, I knew who he was. So in this dream that I dreamed, we were in a, a meeting, and we were going around greeting everybody and hugging people, and I just hugged somebody, and I turned around, and there was Bob. And I thought, oh, I I remember him. And I went over and I hugged him and I let go. And then when I let go, he just pulled me up and hugged me again. And I kind of put my head on his shoulder and I thought, you know, this feels kind (laughs) of (laughs) good. And so when I woke up, it was really a vivid dream. And so I wrote it down. And then I... I thought, well, let me see. And I went to Facebook. (laughs) And there was Bob on Facebook. So I requested him as a friend. Well, it took forever (laughs) before he (laughs) accepted me. And finally, I was sitting at my computer talking to my daughter, and, and up comes on the computer. Bob DeGraw is now friends with K Byer. Oh. <laughs> so then I, I wrote and asked him if he remembered me. And he said he remembered, just a generic letter. Yeah, he remembered me, blah, blah. And then I never heard another word back or anything. So um, I kept on kind of he'd have pictures, so I would like them. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God for Facebook. <laughs> and then, then he would, he, once in a while, he liked my picture. So every time he did, I, I wrote it down. I dated it. And finally, I I went to Poland last a year ago, February. And when I was over in Poland, I had posted a lot of pictures, but he didn't like any of them but, so I, but I found out later he was in a play, Arizona and they didn't have Wi-Fi and so I uh, but every time you know when you open up your Facebook you get the news feed and that, that just runs letters uh, pictures by and here Bob's picture would be coming up all the time and I thought Lord you got to give me a confirmation now. don't let me start feeling some of these feelings if, if it's nothing to it And so I want a really good confirmation. So that next morning I had to speak at, uh, it was me and another lady in our pasture that were the speakers. So I spoke from 10 to 12, I mean 10 to 11 and and the other lady spoke from 11 to 12. And so I went and sat down when I was done in the back row and on the end and another lady was next to me but then there was a a rope, the chairs that went kind of curved, but you could walk between them. And so, as she was talking, finally she was just about done. And she told us to open our Bible up to um, Hebrews 4. So I opened my Bible up and was just laying in my lap and not pay, just looking at her and not paying no attention. And all of a sudden, the pastor's daughter and her husband came over and. Having him on the shoulder, they say, Look, Kay, look, 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 see what the Lord's doing. I says, What you talking about? And she says, Look at your Bible. And here they sat over that far away and watched both pages of my Bible fill up with gold dust. Wow. Oh, I about fell over when I saw that. Mm-hmm. And so uh, when I looked at it, see, it was on three and four, chapter three and four. Well, they're right up in the top, and there's four, and there's three. Well, three, four is my birthday, March 4th, so I thought that's something interesting, but right above the four, I had wrote in my Bible, I don't know when, year, what, I, what I wrote it for, or why I wrote it, but were the words written, starting on a journey of change, well, that would be a big journey of change, and I knew then it was a confirmation for me, but I couldn't tell nobody. And when the lady was done speaking, I showed our pastor. Now, they'd never seen gold dust in Poland, and they just went bonkers. They were so excited, and, and Poland is starting on the journey of change and to the glory and all this, so it fit them, but I knew it was really for me. So, okay, now I get home, and that was the end of February, and now it's March 4th, and it's my birthday. And I carried my iPad around all day long. I had over 600 happy birthdays, you know, from all over the world because I've been to many places, and, but none from Bob. <laughs> 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 and finally, fi- well, I knew what he was thinking. He was thinking that I'm way in Florida, he lives in Canada, and I travel so much that there's just no way that we could be together. And that's exactly what he was thinking. And so um, <laughs> I, I said finally about 4.35 or something, I said, Lord, the best birthday present I could get is a happy birthday from Bob. And it wasn't a minute later, in big capital letters, happy birthday, came. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, and, uh, and then have a... <laughs> but, you know, even at that time, he wasn't thinking anything. Didn't enter, you know, there sometimes takes a while to get through. (laughs) (laughs) Because, you know, it comes up birthdays, you know, you know who birthdays are, and you just, if it's someone you know, you just send them a happy birthday. So, okay, now my birthday was over with, and I thought, well, now how am I going to get in touch with him? I don't have any more pictures I was posting right now, and he didn't. And and the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to go to his message page again and just write, Good morning, Bob. Have a Jesus-filled day. So I did that, and oh my goodness, I heard back right away. 20 minutes, he wrote back, and he said to me, you plan to come up to Canada to Bob's meetings, I mean to Joshua's meetings in Burlington the end of March. And that's an hour and a half from Bob's place. And I said, uh, I kind of wrote back a little bit, kind of a little bit of a lie. (laughs) And I said, well, I was kind of thinking about coming up and surprising him because we've done that before for his conference. But I didn't really know where I would fly into or where I would stay. So we kind of kept Facebooking back and forth. And uh, then he asked for my phone number, and then he called me. And he said, well, if you would fly into London, Ontario... I could pick you up at the airport. (laughs) I thought, oh, I will fly into (laughs) London. And then he said, I could get a hotel for you by the airport, and then we could drive drive back and forth to the meetings. So I thought, that sounds pretty good. (laughs) So then we started talking on the phone, from the first part of March to the 28th until we were talking hours before I went up there. But in between going up there, I went to Pennsylvania for a meeting. And when I was out in Pennsylvania, I said to the Lord, now I need another confirmation about this. I need a rhema word. You know, a rhema word is so important. You can take that to the bank. And and that's it. So I op- just opened my Bible up, and the first scripture I laid my eyes on was John 14:27, and that says peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Well now, you know, this, this is a journey this is something different, it's different going up there to live in Canada you know, it's a little scary, and so but then we went for a ride with the lady i was staying with that day and here on a church marquee we saw the same scripture verse printed out then i got home that evening and i have a friend in australia that she's just sent me a lot of scripture i don't know her but she's just sent me scripture verses for years and that day all days she said the lord gave me a verse for you today i hope it really blesses you and guess what it was john 14:27 so now I had the, all the confirmations and everything, and we'd been talking, and the 28th of March came. And it's a little plane from Chicago up to London, just a little plane, and I, they had to do weight balance or something, so a bunch of us had to go and sit way in the back of the plane. So the time everybody got off, they were all through customs and everything, just a small airport before I got, so everybody just about gone. So I come out to that airport, and there stands Bob. It's like a movie. <laughs> we go up to him. He hugs me, and I lay my head on his shoulder, just like the dream. And that's all she wrote. <laughs> uh, and, and we were married October fourth, up in Canada. And then we came down here and and had a reception down here. And, you know, God is just so good, so good all the time. And then, you know, I didn't have to run it by Joshua because it's Joshua's grandfather. Just come up a minute, Bob. Come up here a minute. And so we are so happy four months. This is mine. <laughs> so, praise the Lord. God is so good. Yeah. And we are so, and you know, Bob has gotten a whole new vision. A new vision. He's sitting up there in Canada. You know, he's content, he's retired, he's just doing so he goes to church, you know, everything. But now, because he said, you know, I don't travel much. And he said, but you can go if you have meetings. And I promised him I wouldn't go more than two weeks at a time. But we had one meeting down in London, Ontario, at a Filipino church that invited me to come. And after that meeting, I'm telling you, Bob wants to go everywhere I go. <laughs> And he's telling everybody, oh, he told his family Christmas, well, we're going to go to Alaska, and then we're going to go to the Philippines. And then he'd made a mistake, though, by telling them, we are really invited with an awesome open door in September to go to Pakistan. And he told his family that, and he shouldn't have done that. (laughs) (laughs) Because, you know, his sister, his daughter sister. His daughter called the next day and said, I didn't sleep all night. Dad, you know, you're 81 now. You don't start doing all this kind of stuff now. (laughs) But what you say, you refire, don't you? And without a vision, you perish. And so, we got a new vision, and we're set on goal, like Jason has that book, Love Says Goal. And we are so excited of what God's doing. And what he's going to do for us, yeah, right, on. right on, you know. And so, how long a time do I have? <laughs> <laughs> Is it time to quit yet? Until the glory comes. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to share my. You know, I never grew up believing in miracles. My dad was a Lutheran pastor. Has there been any Lutherans in here? <laughs> anybody oh yeah <laughs> you know what I'm talking about and uh, but we learned a lot about about the Lord we learned a lot of Bible stories but we never learned to, we didn't know the Lord personally and, and so um, and I was married to Harold 10 years before we got saved even and so uh, you, it makes a whole lot of difference and finally you know we would go to church every Sunday uh but most of the time, all the way to church, we'd sit and fight and argue. I'm sure nobody ever did that. You, you did that. Okay. And then we'd we'd put on our church faces, and we'd just sit there. You could hear a pin drop. And then we'd go home and kind of, most of the time, pick up the fight where we left off. <laughs> and so, uh, finally, uh, after a while, ten years, a friend of mine invited me to this little Pentecostal church. And I said, well, come and pick me up, and Harold wouldn't say no that I could go because you don't say, you act nice in front of everybody. And so um, I went. And, you know, I come in, it was like here. I come into this church. They were praising the Lord and dancing and j- jumping. and But they all had smiles on their faces. And I thought, oh, my goodness. I'd never seen anybody so happy in church before. <laughs> <laughs> and I knew they had something I didn't have. And uh, so... The first night I went up and I got saved. I I gave my heart to the Lord. It's like the grass was greener and the sky was bluer. and I felt like clean. I felt so happy. I felt like a thousand pounds had come off my shoulder. I felt so good. It's just like, it's just amazing when you, how, when Jesus comes in. And I thought, now everything's going to be different and it's going to change. And it got really changed. It got worse when I got home because, see that spirit in him didn't like this new spirit in me, but he said he'd go to church with me to make sure that's where I was going. <laughs> <laughs> so, but every time he went, he got under more conviction than the worse it got. But finally, on one, we were living in Wisconsin at that time. I've been in Florida now 33 years. Thank, I love Florida. <laughs> now I'm going back to snow. Can you believe that? But, um, anyway, so finally, uh, This one Sunday night, he wanted to go, and and I says, it's too cold to go. It's like 30 below, and he said, we'll get a babysitter for our kids, and we went. And that night, they started singing this song, No One Ever Cares For You Like Jesus. And he turned and wanted to know if I'd go up with him, and he went up. and He must have wept and cried for 45 minutes and gave his heart to the Lord. So then we made no small stir in that Lutheran community. You know, when we're having all our problems, nobody cared anything about it. But then when you get happy, <laughs> some, some people can't understand how you can be so happy and still have a lot of problems, you know, and, and you're just so happy. And so it, it was a, a long story. And so but finally, uh, we started, we went on our first, we were saved six months, and we went on our first mission trip to Haiti. And um, that changed our life forever. And we came home, and we just could hardly eat or sleep because we, until we could save our money and go back. And so then for some 30 years, we did mission work. And we went back and forth to the islands. And, and then uh, finally, after 30 years, we were down in Venezuela again. And we... Uh, no, let me get it back up a little bit. Yeah, we went down to Venezuela And then they said to us, um, when we were eating a bowl of soup, a pastor started prophesying to Harold and said, um, this is the beginning of your ministry. And I thought, beginning? We've done mission work 30 years. I couldn't believe what they were saying. But when we got home, the Lord spoke to us and told us we were supposed to go and set up our ministry and give it a name and be led by his spirit to where he would want us to go, which was different, and we, the Lord woke us up and told our name, name, we care for you ministries. so that's what we did but then the Lord also spoke through him and said, don't think you're going to go home and just sit now you're going to go to many lands and countries, and you're more than you've ever done before and again, I was talking to the Lord, you know, and said Lord, we're about to retire, there's no way we can travel, I thought we did pretty good going to the Caribbean islands but there's no way we can go a lot of countries But, you know, when the Lord says something to you, it will come to pass. And some things he spoke to you maybe a long time ago and hasn't happened, but it will happen if it's the Lord. And you will do what he told you to do. He'll arrange things and make things happen that you can't ever imagine how they'd happen. And so we got home, just set up a ministry, kept doing our mission work, and we could never figure out how we were going to go to many lands until finally maybe it was... Five, six months later, our youngest daughter got a job with Continental Airlines. <laughs> well, you know what that meant? That we could travel anywhere in North and South America for $20 U.S. We could go overseas for 80 but every time we'd go overseas, she'd give us her vacation pass, and then it's free, business first class. Wow. Yeah, right so that made a difference. So God all of a sudden started opening up doors for us to travel, to go. But you know, from the time you'll get a word from the Lord until it comes to pass, the devil will come in and try and stop you and make you think that it's never going to come to pass. Because something happened. We had not gone on one trip since she got her job. And something happened. It looked like we'd never go anywhere. My husband had two strokes, The first stroke just left him weak. He couldn't have no strength. He just, like, he didn't know what had happened to him. Well, a week later, he had the second stroke, and then it totally paralyzed his right side. He couldn't lift his arm or his leg, and, and he couldn't talk. So I took him right into the hospital then, and they did all kinds of tests, and they set up this blood clot. It started on top of his head. He might have some recovery, but it started on the stem of his brain, and they said he would never be normal again. That's real encouraging when the doctors tell you that. But, you know, I remembered the word of the Lord. He said we were going to many lands and countries, and I knew I couldn't take him all crippled up like that. So I just kept saying, it's going to be all right, it's going to be all right. And our four daughters came up there one day and were visiting, and a man came in, and he was trying to talk, and he couldn't talk. And he started crying and crying. Then the girls would run out in the hallway and start crying because they didn't want Dad to see him crying. But I remember going out there and telling him, just stop your crying. Dad's going to be all right. Don't cry. Dad's going to be okay. Because I just knew that I knew he was going to be all right. And I wouldn't listen to any negative talk. I didn't want to talk to anybody who's talking negative. I just kept saying he's going to be all right. They, People thought there was something wrong with me. <laughs> Finally, uh, he sent him home and he had to go to all this therapy and we went to one physical therapy for an hour and a half and, and uh, he came out and I said uh uh our God is greater than this I'm not taking you to therapy for the rest of your life no way and so he was home one week and he laid down to go to bed and he said Lord I'm no good like this if you can't heal me take me home you know, just before you get a breakthrough, you can stand and believe God is going to do something that's never happened. You, like when they were going to go across the Red Sea, they were just on the brink of their miracle. And when you're on the brink of your miracle, God is about to do something. And you remember there's this song, probably some of you remember it You're on the brink of a miracle. And I want Bob to come up and sing that song for you. It's just a little short one. Come on, Bob.
0: Don't give up on the brink of a miracle. Never get up, for God is Still on his throne. Don't give up on the brink of a miracle. Don't give up. Remember, remember, you're not alone. Yeah, <laughs>
1: He went to bed that night and said, Lord, if, I'm, if you can't heal me, take me home because I'm no good like this. And He lay down and went to sleep. In the middle of the night, he woke up because he felt like a big hand or something on his forehead holding him down and he couldn't move. But with his good arm, he reached over to see, what on earth am I holding him down for? And I had my back to him sound asleep. As soon as he took his hand off of me, the Lord spoke to him in an audible voice and said, I'm the Lord thy God that healeth thee. Hey! And instantly he was totally made whole. <clears throat> when I woke up the next day and I looked at him, I thought, "Wow, you sure look good today. And he starts talking to me totally healed got up and walked and went and did everything like in within a few months we were back down on the mission field god can touch you right where you are today if you need a healing today just the impartation of what i'm saying god can touch you and heal you today you know jesus is the same yesterday today and forever there is nothing too hard for god we just got to believe and just god is so good god gave my husband and i over 40 years ago, about a year after we were saved, a miracle. I don't know how many of you have heard about it, but he gave us a miracle gift of manna. Just like they had in in the Bible days. We never, ever dreamed such a thing would happen. My husband, he he only went to seventh grade. You know, God takes the foolish things to confound the wise. Nothing wrong with education, I'm not saying that, but God can use people, the least likely... Harold drove a milk truck up in Wisconsin, went around to farmers to pick up their milk. It was in cans at first, and then it eventually went to bulk. But yeah. so, but he, after he got saved, he had eight, ten hours most of the time alone in that truck with God, and he learned to hear the voice of the Lord. And so this one day, he was driving into the farmer's yard, and this white stuff come on his lap. He didn't know what it was, but he felt the spirit of the Lord. And when he got up to, to, take, to get out to take the cans in, and when he got out of the truck, it all disappeared. So then he got back in the truck, and he was going down the driveway again, and here it came all over his lap again. And by that, and on the, on the seat of the truck, and by that time, the Spirit of God was so strong that he started to cry, and he stopped the truck, and he said, Lord, what is this? And the Lord said, this is manna from heaven, and that if you serve me, you'll see a lot of signs and miracles a lot of people don't see. He thought, well, Lord, that's good, but nobody's going to believe a story like this. They thought we joined a cult anyway when we got saved. <laughs> <laughs> and so he can't tell nobody this story. And so, but he had a thermos cup there, and he started to gather up. He was going to bring a little bit home to show me. And so as he got it all gathered up and was just going to put it in there, it just disappeared. Can you imagine? So he says, Lord, this is just between you and me. I am not telling anybody this. He wasn't even going to tell me when he got home. So when he got home that night, I was standing by the stove, and the door was over there where he had come in, and I turned and I looked at him, and the glory of God was still all over him. You know, when you've been in the glory, you can tell it. When you've been in his presence, you can tell it. And so I said, what happened today? So he told me, and I remember the sick feeling in my stomach. Wow, I wish I could have seen it. We never thought it would ever happen again. Just thought it was just a one-time thing, that it would be, you know, one time only, and that would be all. And so uh, finally, oh, we didn't keep track of the dates exactly. About two months later, maybe, I don't know, three months, he was up praying one night in the middle of the night, and then the manna came all over the top of his Bible. So then he came and woke me up, and I got to see it, and we just stood there. Of course, we didn't sleep no more the rest of the night, and I, I said, Lord, let it stay till morning so we could have some of our close friends see it. We only had one couple we dared invite over. <laughs> so at 7 o'clock, we called them, and they come over, and now there was four of us looking at it, and we didn't want it to disappear. We didn't want to touch it. We didn't know what to do with it. We'd, we just stood there looked at it, and the glory just, you could feel the presence of the Lord. But then... By the end of the day and into the next day, then it just kind of gradually faded away to nothing and it was gone. So for, then for some 30 years, now that's a long time, when we would least expect it, there would be the manna. I could tell you too many stories to tell you there in the book of when it all came. Like one time on a cold winter night, we were over visiting some friends, and someone came to the door and wanted a ride home. And uh, so Harold went to, our car was in the way, so we went to move our car, and his Bible was laying on the front seat, and so uh, here there was manna all over it. So we brought it in and had an awesome evening, and we had communion and used it as our bread for communion. Another time, we were in a church service, and uh, they had pews, and Harold and I were in the second row, and we were kneeling about 15 minutes before the service, praying before the meeting. Well, when we opened our eyes, here there was manna all over both our Bibles and on the pew. By that time, a lot of people had heard about it, but not hardly anybody had seen it because we never knew when it was coming. And, man, they all come running, and they got so excited, and we didn't know what to do, and and it was amazing. We thought everybody got excited until... Of, oh, a week or so later, we figured out everybody got excited except the pastor. Oh. That's not good. It's better just to have your pastor excited <laughs> than anybody else, <laughs> believe me. And so we were back in another service again. Everybody was jumping. This is Pentecostal. And everybody was jumping and dancing. And here comes the pastor, and he takes Harold by, he was on the end of the chair takes him by the arm and pushes him up against the back wall. It's probably as close as here. And says, everything you think you get from God is nothing but from the devil. Well, that's not fun when your pastor tells you that. But I'm just telling you, if you're going to have signs and wonders and miracles, you're going to have persecution. It's just going to go with it. And, but it's not fun when it happens. So for some three years... They finally called us up and told us they didn't want us anywhere near the church and they were going to try and straighten out the mess we made and they were going to put a curse on us and all this and Harold says nobody's putting no curse on us. We didn't ask for this gift. God gave it to us and our responsibility is only to treasure it and handle it so carefully and always be sure and give God the glory for it because it's nothing that we did or asked for. And so it was three years we went through a really hard time before Allah told us we could move to Florida. But at one time when I was home, a lot happened after that, stuff that I don't even tell because you would not even believe some of the things they did to us. See, now we had no friends in the world. We had no friends in church. We had nobody but Jesus. Right. But, you know, if you have Jesus, you have enough, And that's why I thank God for every new friend that I get. I cherish your friendship. I honor it. Because now God has blessed me with friends all over the world. God is so faithful. He is so good. And I don't take for granted anybody that God puts in my life. All my friends here, I just treasure them so much. And so I was reading and praying and crying. It was a hard time. Sometimes I, I didn't even hardly know if I wanted to get up in the morning. And I opened up my Bible that morning, and I was praying right to Luke 8, where it says, Daughter, thy faith has made the whole. Go in peace. Mm -hmm. We had to learn how to forgive and go on, or I wouldn't be here today. Then farther down, it tells about Jairus' daughter (coughs) that was um, healed. And Jesus came, and said, they said she was dead, but he said she's just sleeping. She isn't dead. And what did they do? They said they laughed him to scorn. So all through the New Testament, every time Jesus did something, they were criticizing him and laughed him to scorn. So who are we if we don't think that um, we're not going to have any persecution? People are going to come against you. So I like that, but it said Jesus put them all out and took three disciples and his parents and went into her and shut the door. I like to think he took the glory crowd in with him the glory people, and shut the door, and it said her spirit came back to her again. So I thought, I'm just going to leave my Bible open, and I'm going to read that some more when I get home. When I got home that night, here on my Bible, it was full of manna, and Harold's Bible, that was on the bed, and it was like our spirits came back to us again. From that day until today, I don't care what anybody says. I know that I know that I know it's Jesus. I know that it's real. I know God is so good. And and God is so good. So finally we went down to Australia, uh, Venezuela again. And we showed the pastor. I didn't we didn't know if we dare tell the pastor even. And we started, I I had the picture and I kind of slid it over to him. I said this is what God's been doing oh my goodness, he got so excited. This was Saturday. He says, I'm going to believe God. We're going to have manna tomorrow and we're going to use it as our bread for communion. And uh, we kind of wish the floor opened up and swallowed. We never believed God for it to come at a certain time. But see, this is how God was training us and testing us and trying and showing us what to do for what was coming. And so uh, we went to bed that night and just held hands. Got our Bibles out and laid them up on the dresser like you got to help God out, but you don't have to help God out, <laughs> you know. And and we just held hands and "Lord, they really believe in this more than we are," but but you know, uh, here we are. <laughs> so we got up the next morning and there was no manna on our Bible and. Missionary came over at eight o'clock to have breakfast. They wanted us to meet, and we went out with, and had breakfast. And then she prayed for us all, and then she had to leave quick to catch a flight. And everybody went with her except the pastor, and Harold and I were left at the house. So we went back to our room, and her- the Lord told Harold that uh, to open, go open our Bible up to Revelation two seventeen, and on that when my, that scripture says part of it. To him that overcometh i 'll give him to eat of the hidden manna, and inside that closed Bible it was full of manna i don 't know if you can see, but from the manna coming so much in my Bible was all yellow, orangey from the oil in the in the, the Bible, and we screamed, we called the pastor to come quick, he come in there, and the glory of God just filled that place, he started to weep and cry and it was awesome. So after we got ourselves together, we had closed up the Bible. We had to walk three, four blocks in that poor Guyanese village. Dusty roads and shacks of houses. It was like the glory of God was walking on streets of gold. It was all over us. We got a couple of houses from the church, and we could hear them singing, God is so good. God is so good. And every time I hear that song, I almost cry because I think of that. And as th- soon as they stopped singing, the pastor said, God answered our prayer, and they had the communion there and no bread. So, no, we'd never done this before. So after we shared a little bit, while we had everybody come up, and maybe it was about as many people as right here, and this, not that section. And we, I gave them each a piece of manna, and Harold just laid hands on them to believe God for their miracle. But as they were going back to their seats, all of a sudden about halfway back a blind lady screams out and says I can see that's red and that's green and that's yellow and then other people started getting healed and oh my goodness then God let us know that you could get healed when you eat the manna. Well why not? It kept the Israelites well and healthy for 40 years. I figured it's medicine from God's pharmacy. What more do you need? And you know I've ate manna for 40 years and I don't take a pill. I've just been so well and healthy. You know if people says I've had manna so much well you just never know what God's going to do. And so now after Harold passed away well, we started then traveling people started hearing about it. We started traveling all over the world. Harold was in 40 countries before he went home and we give out manna to thousands of people for communion. But now after Harold left, oh, my goodness, you wouldn't believe people. If you got the manna yet? You got manna. You got manna. You know, when we were having it all the time, that can't be God. You know, that's not God. But now when I wasn't having it, well, what's wrong with you? Something wrong with you? What have you done that you're not having it now? Until, and people dropped off our whole ministry, half of it, our support dropped. Everything changed and 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 they even called us from Hong Kong. We'd been there three times, and they wanted to have a conference with us and Joshua, but they said, got an email finally back from them and said, uh, if we could guarantee the man that would come, they would have it. Oh Otherwise, they wouldn't have, the, have it, and they didn't have I can't guarantee it. I don't manufacture it. <laughs> you know? And so then it was hard, but, you know, bless God, I was finally in Hawaii on the 5th of April. He died September 28th with Joshua and Janet. And Joshua had the meeting before, and now it was my turn. And we all had our dresses alike, and our ladies. We were going to have a glory Hawaiian meeting, you know, party. About four o'clock, I went. We were all staying in the outrigger hotel. His sister was with. We had a suite and um, on Waikiki Beach. You know, can you imagine? And I took my Bible out of the dresser drawer, and something started. You could just feel it. Something started falling, and there was manna all solid in my Bible. I mean, we screamed and hollered and cried. Could not believe, and what a meeting we had. Over 300 people, and they were lined up all the way around the church. And I gave out the manna, and Janet laid hands on them, and Joshua played the glory realm. Amazing what God did. And, you know, it is so real. But then I never had it again for a long time, but I think God was just going to see if I would keep on without that and and know the people that were not just after, just the miracles. I don't know. I don't have, you know, and people say, well, how come you don't have the man? I I should tell them, well, you ask God. I don't know, (laughs) you know. And so um, finally... uh, A year ago, August 19th, I was in Poland. Joshua and I, we've traveled together a lot and and, um, they had a big conference for us in Poland, Warsaw, way out in the woods, like solid pine trees, a third world campground. It was like nobody in the world would ever know where we were at. And we'd had many meetings. I had seven, Joshua, had eight. I mean, it was morning, day, all day meetings and stuff. So finally, the second to the last meeting, um, it was uh, August 19th. We had the meeting, and Joshua usually we stay around and talk, and and we went right back after the meeting. Joshua just took off and went to the room, so I just followed. And like my room was here, and then there was a fireplace, and then Joshua's room. And you know, you could tell above my door, of my room was a bird nest. So they had the off, kept the office door open. So the mothers could feed the birds. That's kind of a campground. And I mean, it was just little beds and just third world. So Joshua went in his room, and all of a sudden he just got in there and he screamed, "K!" And we had a joining door, so I locked the door, and here his tassel in the Bible, the bookmark, was hanging out about so far and was solid gold dust. I says, Oh my goodness well, what page is it on? And he opened it up and there was no gold dust. I said, well, look in Isaiah 60. Because when we had these meetings together, it was always that, arise and shine for the glory of God will be seen on you. He turned to that page and was full of gold dust. And then the gold dust started coming all over his bedspread, all over the carpet, into my room on the carpet, all over my bedspread. And I said, well, Joshua, all the time when we had the gold together, we always had manna. So I go look in my Bible and no manna. But I had another Bible with me that I used to carry when we first started getting the manna, and I would get so excited I'd tape a little page and piece of, in there and then write the country we were in or where we were. And I brought that with, because lots of times I let people see what it looked like. And so uh, I went to that Bible. Joshua was sitting on a chair by that time, and he says, I keep looking at that Bible there. And I went to open it, and there it was full of manna. I mean, we just screamed and cried. i got to show you that picture. Big picture of it. And it was so amazing because it was a closed Bible, and when I opened it, from the oil on the Bible on the other page, was a heart, shape of a heart, <laughs> like a love gift from Jesus. You can pass it around, but I want it back. <laughs> um, you can take a picture of it, but I want it back. Uh, and we were so excited. I mean, we started screaming and laughing. Joshua was in a wooden chair, and he kicked it. It went flying and crashing, and, and she called his wife, Janet, and I called Julie, my daughter. And, but we didn't realize in the corner of my room, there was a long window way up to the ceiling with a curtain on it, but it was open up from the top, just like that. And right outside our window was the security guard, And he finally went to the pastors that were out there and said, I think you better go check in that room and see what's going on in there. (laughs) They thought we were killing each other. So they came and knocked and stuck their head in. I mean, when they knew what happened, they just wept and cried and cried. And we had manna and gold dust the next morning. It was just amazing. But listen, the next night when I was, the Lord woke me up about 4 o'clock, and he said, "Remember the dream I gave you. That's why write your dreams down." And I thought, "Oh my goodness, I forgot all about it." And I wrote it in my Bible. And I opened up my Bible. It was five years ago. It said, "This is what I wrote in my Bible." In pencil, so I can hardly read it now. It said, "The morning of October 28, 08, I was holding my Bible, and there was gold dust everywhere, just what it was." And I turned the pages over and there was manna. And I said to there was a lot of people around me, and I said to the people around me, What day is it today so I can remember when this happened? And they said, Today is the nineteenth. Five years later, on the nineteenth of August, I had the manna. So you never know. I didn't have a date the year or the month, but five years later I had the manna. What what something fall on the floor oh that's uh is that a not man what is that a a pick for the guitar yeah, me too me too, me too, me too, and you know God is so good our it's wonderful how he sent it for a lot of people, but what is even more wonderful is when he would send it for us for personally for our healing. Yeah. That's what just really... Uh, I, like. Um, can I tell just a couple? Or am I ready to go? Harold, we were on our way to the Canadian Arctic, and we were stopping in, in Winnipeg, and we're going to meet Joshua and Janet there. And we got up there. We were so excited about going because God had told us we were going. And we stayed. they arranged for a home for us to stay in. And so they'd all the family had left to take, go to work and take the kids to school. So it was just Joshua and Janet, Harold and I, and their little boy, and Joshua's dad that were there. And it was 10 o'clock, and we were having breakfast. At 10 o'clock, Harold has a heart attack. And so I remember Joshua calling 911 and paramedic trucks. This was not in our plans. And so um, trying to find a picture. And so anyway, they all come and, and, you know, and running in and out, and they got them stabilized and off to the hospital we went. Well, time come to go to the airport, and everybody left to the airport, and here we are alone in another country, even if it is Canada. And nobody could come. So I go out to call the kids and tell them what had happened. I really thought that Harold Angel would walk in that room, he'd be healed, and we'd just get on the plane to go to the Arctic, but it didn't work like that. And so I went out to call the kids, and when I came back from calling the kids, Harold tells me this story. The day before we left, you know, why couldn't he have had the heart attack the day before we left? Why didn't we have to be up there? You know, I don't know. ask God. You know, I don't know. And so um, he said that I was running some errands and he likes taking a nap on the carpet in the daytime so he had a pillow and he was down there taking a nap and while he was doing that the Lord spoke to him and said you have some empty bottles in your drawer. I want you to put some in your aftershave kit. So he thought that's kind of stupid but he got up and he put four bottles in there. And he says, now the Lord just told me you're supposed to go get my aftershave kit and take those bottles out. And when I took those four bottles out, here all four bottles were full of manna to the top. And the Lord said, start eating the manna for your healing. And, I mean, it was like Jesus walked right in our room. And before I could even think of taking pictures, now these two you can see on the top are still full. This one's empty and this is half full because he'd been eating them, eating it. And so, finally, after a few days, the doctor came in and, and said, um, you're sure pulling out of this one fast. And uh, finally, a, a nurse came in with this whole long ledger, uh, questions to ask us. Do you feel like you have no hope now? Do you feel discouraged? No, no. Do you feel like, you know, all these questions. I tried to explain. I said, well, we're Christians. We just believe God. But I couldn't tell her we're eating manna or they'd have us in the next hospital or something, you know. <laughs> So finally, finally, after a week, he said, well, you're totally healed. You can go home. I said, can we fly? He said, yeah. They told us we'd probably be there a month because it wasn't just a little heart attack. So now we go home, and then at Easter time, we're all up to go to the Arctic again. And we got there two days before Joshua and Janet, and they wanted communion, 1,200 people, communion. The manna fell in his hand. Sometimes it falls in his hand. He just holds it out. And it was inside the Bible. It was on top of the Bible. And two Anglican priests wanted to help us with the communion. So we had three of us standing up there and three lines. It just, I, you know, it was televised. We think that people on the TV saw it and came down and got in line. It seemed like they were there. <laughs> but it never ran out until the last person had it. And then we gave an altar call, and over 200 people got saved. Yay. See, all miracles like that. And someone should point to Jesus. It was amazing. So now we, just about ready to go home, and Harold starts having some angina pains, which he shouldn't do because he just healed of his heart attack. So when we got home, we got home. The, the, we have a VA doctor that's our personal friend too, and he had got us in right away, and. Uh, to the hospital and they checked and they had two veins, one ninety-five percent blocked and one sixty-five, and they tried, decided to do d- double bypass surgery. Well they were going to take one vein out of his heart but they thought it would be too much damaged. But when they checked it they said, shocked. He said your heart is like brand new except for those two veins. So long story, they did the surgery and we went back for a six weeks checkup. When we come into that doctor, a big Russian doctor, he was sitting like that, and Harold was in a wheelchair and I was sitting sideways, and he wanted to look at his leg, and he thought, oh, that's so good. He said, let me see your scar on your chest. He opened up his chest, and the doctor goes, what, you have been to some kind of a glitter party? His whole chest was solid gold dust. <laughs> and that, uh, Harold was dumbfounded. He we tried to tell him it was a glory. He didn't understand that. I said, can we fly now or drive? He said, you can fly. You can go anywhere. You just get out of here. You know, so God is so good. There's nothing too hard for